All right, welcome everyone to the first edition of the Sync Up. Uh, we are very excited. We have an unbelievable first guest, and oh, is this is you are the first guest? I think I when I first brought. <laughs> I can't believe you 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 settled for me as the inaugural guest. I'll take it, guys. I love working with you, and I love being a part of the uh, the first Sync Up. Yeah, we we couldn't do it with anyone but you. Yeah, uh, we, so we're glad it's here. Yeah, and O's, uh, I'm sure everyone knows by now, probably. You know, saw him just a few days ago at the ESPYs, but O's's uh, resume speaks for itself. Anytime we pitch an event, we're going O's because we know how reliable and the and the feedback and performance factor we get is really second to none. Um, so this this podcast brings into perspectives of people that participate in events and experiences, but we try to get all different angles. So Zach and I were always in the kind of the, the background as like the putting it together, selling it, and try to execute it in the background. Always is front and center with the clients. So that's what they're coming to see, and the attendees um, are coming to see O's. About how many events or experiences do you do a year? And I'll, I'll give you, we can say our number together. All right, one, two, well, three, 200. I was gonna say 200, so I'll say one, uh, two, I'll, I'll jump you, 220. No, I, I thank God, no. My okay, wife good, me, good. I think I'm around 120 right now, but it's funny. Before the Eurozone America's Got Talent, I actually did 265 parties that year. I counted, um, which is bananas because it's almost it's almost every day. You're working more than every other day, which honestly is what I didn't want to do. At a certain point, once you kind of settle down, I was bar and bat mitzvah circuit deluxe every Saturday afternoon, every Saturday night, Sunday afternoon bridal showers. Friday night was always like a milestone birthday. Sometimes squeeze in something in the middle. It was crazy. Every weekend was four or five parties. Um, and I'm not saying it was quantity, not quality, but I wanted to shift those things. So kind of as, you know, I got married, a family, being gone every weekend wasn't as palatable. And it, it kind of shifted more towards corporate work and, you know, slightly larger scale experiences, if you will. So some months are crazy. Uh, thankfully, the summer's a little more low key. I do a lot more focus right now on TV. But uh, Zinc is awesome to me. You guys put together incredible events. Uh, just, I mean, the level of attention to detail professionalism, and honestly, just client-centric approach, which it's funny. I work with all different event planners, producers, and it's, it's you can see when the cream rises to the top where you're thinking, how do we make this the best possible experience for the client? Memorable. Everybody walks out of the room really resonating and remembering what they took part in. Because kind of like a movie. Some of these movies you watch, you forget that you watch it a day later. Really great events stick with you, um, and I think that's all about execution. Yeah, I think you you take the same approach, which we're kind of always interested in to see, as far as like your preparation and how you're always on and like spot on with the making the right fit for the for the audience. How, how much preparation goes into that, or are you just kind of that's that's what you do? You can just be thrown in a situation and be able to to hit it, or is it like you're you're planning, you're you're tackling it stuff? So I like advance? to know as much about. I like to be as well prepared as possible. Uh, in all instances, right? Kind of knowledge is power. So if I go in that room and I know who's there, I know who the host is, and I know their goals, right? What are you trying to get out of this? Because my goal is not just to fool or entertain. Those are kind of side effects. What I'm trying to do is be kind of a, a lubricant for business. If, if your goal there is brand awareness, if your goal is client appreciation, if your goal is a new product that you're launching and you want some information to be sticky, like I go in there with that knowledge. Think of me as almost, if you're bringing somebody in who's sales training or marketing, I'm kind of bundled up into one where 
we're going to achieve your goals together. And it's very little about me. I, I don't lead with, oh, look what I've done or how great I am. That That's hopefully the promo reel speaks for itself. You guys know how to sell me. But once I get in there, I want the client to leave saying, wow, he knew our culture. He knew what we were trying to do. And he executed on so many levels. Um, I could tell you a funny story. This is recent, but this is stuff that I go for, which was they had an incoming CEO at a company. This is a big company, a pharma company. This was maybe like four months ago. And five months ago, I don't know, it was early this year. And they were very on edge about having a mentalist because, you know, if you get burned once, you go, is, it, is this a hypnotist? Is this going to make me embarrassed? There's a whole lot of CYA going on where people are nervous because if something goes wrong, it's their proverbial, you know, ASS. So letting them know, hey, I wouldn't get hired again and again if I was going to make you look bad. I'm going to make you look great. And they said, the new CEO, it's a merger. Everyone's kind of scared. They don't know if there's layoffs. There's a weird vibe. And everyone's kind of, I could, I could read between the lines. And so what I did is I didn't want to bring the CEO on stage. Instead, I kept highlighting fun things. And I don't want to say I made the CEO front and center, but there was a routine I did where the CEO got to pick other people. So the other people were highlighted. They were the stars of the show, but the CEO kind of delegated that and there was a funny callback. There's a funny moment that the CEO did something that was now a conversation point that everybody that wanted to go talk to him afterwards could be like, did you know he would do this and this? And so I got a personal email from that CEO afterwards going, hey, the show was great. All this was great, mind-blowing, whatever he goes. But I literally had maybe 80 people come up to me that night afterwards that would have been scared to approach me, that you broke the ice, that the value of that, like think the value proposition of what I did purely for people that he that report to him or that you know are new that now feel comfortable and for the next few months or hopefully a year they could be like man that time when you guessed the thing about the dog now they have an entry point and that's very very valuable and that's not something that happens as a tertiary thing i lead with that like that's what my goal is is to give the client value that goes above and beyond just entertainment so interesting to hear that because leaving with takeaways especially in our businesses like building relationship is so important and there's very few events that, that, that have such a pronounced takeaway like that. Yeah, no, and I think that's why we continue to come back to you is because I think we see just from those, you know, few, just the conversation for you, it's not even about what you've done, your fame, what you've been able to accomplish. It's about how can I make an impact on the event itself? And I think we did something uh, last month in Boston and still, I think, and I, and I shared, and I shared uh, with Lisa just like the feedback just because we don't often, you know, get feedback. But when we get that kind of feedback where it's like, this is one of the best events I've ever done, you know, that to us is like, we pitched the right person. And that means that, you know, you're going above and beyond to make it right. Would you say, and that was, I think for, it was only 20 people. It was very intimate. That was a rare, small, intimate event where literally every single person in that room, I could tell you their name afterwards. I could tell you where they were sitting. Like it's, that that's a, a place where you really connect with people, even though the event for 20 people can still hit as hard as 2000. You know, it's all the way you structure your act, but that was a very fun, upbeat crowd. They came to be entertained. It wasn't kind of, I don't want to call it pulling teeth, but sometimes I have to win people over. So they come to my side and think, oh my God, I love this stuff. I, one of the number one comments I get at the end of my show is, you know, I don't really love magic, you know, or I don't like magic, but I love you and what you do. So they, they kind of see a difference because certain people have perceptions before they go in as to what I'm going to do or what this is. Uh, and then they get a sense of, I'm not there to upstage you or to outsmart you. We're there to have fun together and create really memorable moments that you will talk about for a long time. I think the first event we did with you was on the virtual stuff, how you transformed 
your like stage or in person thing to virtual was kind of it was mind blowing, and I think that's why we had so much success. But then we had the opportunity to start doing in person stuff, so it just it runs the gamut. I feel like yeah, it's day and night. I mean, I'm I'm kind of glad I have friends who got into the virtual stuff. There's a few people who jumped on it real early. I was kind of one of those people where uh, a month in after drinking wine every night and saying, am I, am I unemployed now? Suddenly somebody did a virtual show. I go, there's no way this will work. And then I had to reinvent my show because I found that a lot of, there's not a lot of us in terms of the mentalist space, but my competitors were, I don't know how to describe it. You know, when you eat airplane food, even the best airplane food is worse than a halfway decent meal, right? Do you, you know what I'm saying? It's different levels. So I didn't want my show to be airplane food. And so it involved a complete reinvention of what I do, how I do it. It was really from the ground up. And I, I, I didn't want to just kind of, I wasn't okay with that. I said, yes, I, I need to make a living. But if I can't, if I can't look myself in the mirror and say that was an amazing show and it lived up to what I do live or very close to it, then I can't just do it. I can't put on a subpar show just cause. And that's really where I went into the virtual space with is how do I reinvent mind reading from afar? Um, I'm glad I had it, but God, am I glad we went mm -hmm. back to live a couple of years ago because that was, you know, I felt like a webcam girl. Yeah, I, needed, yeah. I needed, I needed people. I needed energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you were I like only that. fans. Basically. Yeah. It was my only fans, but thankfully my clothes stayed on. Yeah. I yeah. Exactly. We'll want to see that. Yeah. Audience does not well, see there that. We had, we did have a 3am show. So that was a little questionable. It was no, pajamas. It was, pajamas. It was amazing. It, you see me getting out of bed like with eye drops and shaking it out. And uh, I did a bunch of those shows that were um, Asia pack, Europe, uh, US, like three for ones in a day. And that was, I did so many of those. And some of them were just, oh my God, brutal, brutal. I'd run over, I have a studio across the street for me. I had one, I actually got rid of it. But uh, I would just run across there. And it was, you know, it was an era where you'd be in a suit. I'd be wearing a suit with shorts and flip-flops, like the traditional you know, crazy approach and people seeing you were like, what is this guy wearing? Uh, you know, it was a waist up show. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so it cool. was, it was pretty, pretty fun. And I think a few of those that you're mentioning that the APAC, the EMEA, like a lot of those were our clients that we had that would do multiple in a day. And I remember, I think I got up for one of them. It was like a 3am late in, in the back here also was, was up for that too. And it's just amazing. And not only is it 3am, but it's like, it's 3am, but you're also doing it for like an audience, most of them didn't speak English or very little. And it's just like your ability to customize the show where there's a language barrier as well, but still kind of deliver the same sort of experience, whether it's like, hey, we're going to use currency from another thing, or it's like, where would you want to travel to? Um, you kind of show that everyone's sort of united in some fashion, no matter what. So those were amazing. But I, I do think the in-person um, it has been kind of even yeah. more impactful. Yeah, we get giddy when we know you're about to to do your thing uh, in front of our clients because they, as much as we can try to describe what it is, uh, you don't really get the full effect to it. Well, so I, I, on that, on the heels of that, so Oz, what is and this is probably a good. What is mentalism? Is it is it mental versus mentalism versus magic, or is mentalism a, dis, a discipline within magic? How would you describe what you yeah. do? to kind of the audience and to like clients. Totally. So mentalism is kind of like magic of the mind. So I'm not a psychic. I am not supernatural. It's really important. I kind of say that at the start of the show. I'm not reading minds. I'm reading people. Everyone can do what I do. You just probably haven't committed 25 years of your life to studying it in depth and practicing and performing day in, day out. And so think of it as 
I'm using psychological principles, I'm using misdirection, I'm using some of the tools that are involved in magic, but not to fool your eyes, right? Like a card trick or a trick where my favorite, my son's favorite trick is I take a coin, I put it in my hand, it disappears, and then I pluck it out of his ear. Now, you know it's not really coming out of his ear. I've just trained my hands to fool your eyes. Mentalism does not have sleight of hand. I don't need props. I can go do a show if you told me right now, Zinc calls me up and says, we need you in New York City in one hour, no props, 500 people. I don't need props, right? Magic involves props. I am the show. So it's kind of like a stand-up comedian in, in the sense of purity. And it does very well with sophisticated, somewhat cerebral audiences because like most of the things I do are for major Fortune 500 companies, C-level suite execs, salespeople, people that have seen it all, know it all. And you know they're very hard to impress. And what I'm showing you is I know how you think. I can actually literally show you, I know not only how you're gonna think, but how you're gonna change your mind, what you're gonna do. And people find it fascinating to watch their minds be you know, deconstructed, reverse engineering the way people think right in front of them and in an entertaining fashion. Um, and if I were to kind of harp on what's given me a little more longevity, because like you mentioned, America's Got Talent launched me. That was like my jet fuel blew me up and then people started hearing about me and then I started leveraging that. But what really, if, if I were to give you my one secret sauce of what I do, it's at the start, is that it's not about me, it's about my client. And that could be the client that's booking me, that could be a TV producer that brings me on. There's a lot of people that have been on America's Got Talent, I think they're on their 20th season, or so to speak, but almost none of them, once they go on the show, if you watch their media exposure and relevancy, I've maintained, I've done over 100 TV appearances since I've been on that show which it, it, it nets out to almost one per month all the time. So I'm consistently on national television because I always create the content for the viewer, not the opposite, which if you don't realize, if I go to a network like ESPN, everything is about the sport they bring me in for. It's about NFL football. If I go on CNBC, it's about stocks and bonds. If I go on the cooking channel, it's going to be about cooking. If I go on like today's show, third hour, I know that it's housewives that are going to be aged like 29 to 49 and what their interest is. And I give you wrapped in a bow something that I say, here's what will appeal to your viewers. And the producer's like, oh my God, I this is perfect. Like Valentine's Day, I got a trick for you. You know, Halloween, I've got a great trick for you. It, it, and so people love when you think about them rather than yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like music to our ears. It's exactly yes. what... what what we love to hear and, and the results we, we love, we always know we get. Um, when you're working with like the celebrity side of things, which you're doing tremendous stuff, like you mentioned the ESPN, the NFL, you're just at SBs. Working with like, those types of personalities, is it hard to kind of break down the barrier? Do you have any like pinch me moments or any anyone you kind of won over that was kind of being resistant or anything like that? You know, it's, it's funny because on certain levels, there's the way you approach the dynamic. So if you come at people, like if you come at somebody for a selfie, right, it's a weird feeling of like, oh, is this just, versus if you give them some sort of a gift. Now, when I say a gift, I don't mean a physical gift, but I feel much more at equals if I give them a moment of amazement or something incredible. And that could even be 20 seconds before you're going to ask for anything from them. That's a big thing. Um, at, at some events, I won't. Like I was standing next to LeBron James backstage for 10 minutes, him and his family, and I'm I will always get a photo or get a moment and try to do something, but the moment wasn't right. It just, it wasn't right. And it was one of those things where I just shook his hand and said, LeBron, keep it up, man, you're the best. And it wasn't like, I, I'm Mr. Marketing and I will never lose an opportunity, but I also know strike when the iron's hot and when the moment is right. 
and, and you've got to feel that. And you can always suss out the vibe in the room versus me and Patrick Mahomes, great rapport, did stuff for him, his wife, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's mom, who was at the Super Bowl. And we just had awesome energy. And afterwards, I'm like, dude, let's get me going to the KC Chiefs this year because I'm doing a bunch of stuff for ESPN again. And I was like, put in a good word with GM, bro. And he's like, let's do it. And then he wanted to take a photo. So it was, how do I describe it? Celebrities are just people. I learned that years ago. Do, do you have time? I don't want to give you like a long-winded story. But I started doing magic when I was 13. I, I, right after my bar mitzvah, I had seen a magician. I was blown away. And I was kind of like, they call it bit by the bug. I became obsessed. When I was 14, my mom, who's Israeli, and I'm Israeli, is like, I'm not buying you any more tricks. Like, you start making some money. You know, entrepreneurial. So I marched my butt, literally walked about a half mile from where I lived in, in Farmington Hills, Michigan to a restaurant that was this Italian restaurant. And how I did this or how I even had the confidence, I can't explain to you because nobody told me to do this. I went to the restaurant and I started doing tricks for the manager and, and they hired me. And on like, I think it was either the second or third week that I was there, I went up to two women and it takes really like a little bit of chutzpah to walk up to people who are having dinner and they're like, who is this shrimpy kid? He's going to do magic. Like, is he any good? What, who are you? Do you even work here? And uh, I did magic for them. I had just printed business cards at Kinko's. I had a hundred of them. I still have one of them in my scrapbook. These are really funny little business cards. Probably worth a lot right now. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know about that, but they're, they're, it <laughs> holds a place in my heart. It had like a picture of like a little snake charmer with a snake coming out of a basket, holding a sign that says magic and, and amazing. It was so funny. Uh, and I, this woman asked for my business card, but she didn't even like me. They didn't laugh. They really didn't like, they didn't seem impressed. And I'm Zach and Will, I'm like, I got a hundred of these cards. These cost me money, right? I'm like, all right, I'll give her one. But like, I was trying to hold on to these cards. Right. Yeah. Don't take it, don't take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take Long, a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. There were no phones, dude. I mean, yeah, yeah. No phones. <laughs> well, this is mid-90s. Yeah. And yeah. where am I going with this story? This woman who I thought didn't even like me called me a couple days later. And she was. they were opening a national tire and battery, which is like a Pep Boys in Metro Detroit. They had three locations. And there's so many valuable lessons here. And she goes, I'm going to have you, do you want to work these three locations at the grand openings, do the stuff you were doing? First off, I'm shocked because I thought this woman did not like me at all. She was very short with me. I did like two tricks. She asked for, it was just very strange. So I learned never judge a book by its cover. You don't know when you're catching somebody. You don't know what it is. Never take rejection personally because that person in a year or two years or five years might open big doors for you. So treat everybody great. And next, those three national tire and batteries each had a Red Wing, um, Detroit Red Wings, during the heyday when they won the Stanley Cups. They had a guy mm -hmm. named Steve Eiserman, Paul Coffey, Dino Cicerelli, and uh, Nick Lindstrom. All future Hall of Famers were these four guys at each one. I got photos with all of them. And so cool. one of them was in the newspaper of me with these guys opening these. So you just never know what things are going to lead to. And so, like, in my career, I've been a lot less transactional and know that sometimes do the right thing. You know, there's a lot of charities I support. I go there, give back, do good things. Good things will come to you. And like, that was my first celebrity experience. And it just, you just never know what happens. Um, so I kind of treat every client the same and go there and try to deliver 110% every time. Amazing. That's a great Amazing. story. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh, the other thing that we were looking forward to, and we, we did it uh, on the top of the hour is, is we're always, like we mentioned in the, in the background, we're never part of the show. But earlier we said we might get treated to be part of the show. And Let's I think you it. got my friends, 
friend's mind in a pretzel already. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Wait, I want to tell you because you asked me what's okay. mentalism, right? Yeah. And so mentalism is not supernatural. So, for example, let's say that right now, Zach, in the moment, okay, right now, like I want this to be spontaneous and I want the listener to know you have no idea what you're going to think of. If I said you're going to pick up the phone and you're going to call somebody in the next few days that that is either family or a friend or a client, okay? And, and I want you to just think of somebody right now spontaneous that you think you're going to call on the phone in the next few days. Take a moment. You don't know what you're going to think of yet, do you? No. Think of someone I, I can now. tell by that face. He doesn't. He doesn't know. Well, he looks. He looks surprised. Like I don't know. I was gonna be yeah. stuff. Yeah. Someone right now. Okay. I, I got someone. On the surface, this seems to most people impossible. It seems like, well, how can you know that? You just thought of it. You didn't know what you're gonna think of. How could I know? But if I'm an astute listener, I told you why my show appeals to sophisticated audiences is because I'm not there to fool you. That's a side effect. I want you to understand the human mind is predictable, and I know you. So anybody watching this, it's not like if I met a stranger at a show and they're meeting me for the first time. I know you. I could be watching you on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I could know things about you. So your future, there's only a finite amount of people you might think of. Oh, my wife is a good one or maybe my mother-in-law. Or maybe. If I pick somebody that you're about to call, this is probably someone in your inner circle. And somebody watching this is going to be like, he must have found this out. He must know Zach. So how about this? Let's go back in time to something nobody would know. How long have you known Will? Um... Probably since 2011, so like 12 years. Will didn't seem happy. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I'm kidding. A little I, longer. A little longer. I want to go back sure. in time. Zach, something everybody remembers that I bet your wife wouldn't even know. I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. And I want you to picture the first girl you ever had a big crush on. Natalie Earmuffs. <laughs> Natalie Earmuffs. Zach, <laughs> I see you struggling. Zach, open your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Open your eyes. Would your wife or Will know who this is? Uh, no. Is there any way I could have looked this up on the internet, on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, anywhere, any chance or zero? No. How? Do you keep in touch with her? No. <laughs> you better say no. The no. one that got away, the one that got away. <laughs> first crush is yeah. different. First kiss, it takes two to tangle. Both of you have yeah. some of your first crush, nobody even knows. Here's what I do. I want you, and before today, tell them, be honest, swear to God, before today, and me asking you to think of her, when was the last time this person had even entered into your thoughts. And you could be honest, was it days, weeks, months, or years? Years, months, years, maybe months. Years, I'm getting excited. Months. If he's like yeah. yesterday, his wife's like, what's going on? <laughs> Who is yeah. she? All right, here's what I want you to do. Don't use your fingers, okay? Because I can see your fingers. Everyone, if you're listening to this on audio, I can see Zach, don't use your fingers. Count in your head how many letters are in the name just to yourself, just to yourself. So his eyes were closed. He counted. And kind of like when you kind of dance to a beat, most people go on beat and you counted, you looked, you closed your eyes, you double checked, you counted twice to be sure. When people count a second time, it indicates that either the name is really long or sometimes there's a double letter because that makes it hard to count. Look how he's smiling. It was, yeah, yeah. I think it was five or six letters. It's five letters, isn't it, Zach? Yeah, it's five <laughs> right? On the ropes. Zinc doesn't hire me to get stuff wrong. <laughs> Zach, mix up the letters in the name. Mix up those five letters. And, and I want you to just grab out any letter out of the name, maybe something interesting, but grab one letter and hold it as if it's in your hands right now, like it's a Scrabble towel. Can you see that letter in your head? Yeah. 
Most people <laughs> will avoid the first letter. You didn't do the first letter of the name, did you? No. Because it gives it away. Think Zach Zinc. The Z can give it away. So people don't want to do the first letter because they say it's too obvious. I think you went back and forth, back and forth, and then you picked a hard letter. You thought it was hard, and you almost asked me a question. You think of the letter Y, aren't you, Zach? I am. And it's not, I think it's, you licked your lips. It's not Mandy. Molly is the name of the first girl you ever crush on, isn't it? Is it Molly? That's uh, right. I <laughs> got it. Yep. This is why he's good. Unbelievable. We've been, we've you know what's so crazy? Side. My reaction is not even as stunned as it should be. Mine because is. I've seen. Mom's stunned. I, I'm always in awe. Yeah. Like I, I've seen this so many times, and it's it's just unbelievable. You had him backpedaling. I saw I saw yes. the, like the, the brain moving. Unbelievable. Was, yeah. I, I knew. I even knew it was gonna happen. I was already like, I was like, I'm toast. I'm toast. Zach is yeah. the clothes here. He's not even impressed. He's like, if you don't get it, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we would have had a problem. Yeah, yeah. What's going on here? We He's like, had. the podcast is over. <laughs> new inaugural guest. Yeah. Unbelievable. But that's Unbelievable. the moments that make it so special. Um, like we've we've never experienced. Like, have you been part? I've I've watched you perform so many times. I've never been sitting next to the person you're doing it to, and just seeing his reaction to you leading or or, or getting him there is pretty special. So yeah. it's. Uh, well, thank truly, you truly amazing. Thanks for having yes. me. Thanks for sending all the business my way and just our relationship. I really appreciate it. Uh, all the accolades right back at you. Zinc is incredible to work with. Uh, like I said, I'm top notch, top of the industry. I work with a lot of different firms and they're always so on it. Like there's, you know, it's funny where you see people that just, they got it dialed in, they, they dot their I's, cross their T's. And that's what you want for a seamless event where, you know, somebody who just comes in and they're confident, they say, I got this. And you look them in the eye and you're like, I know they do. And that's a real value add when you, when you have that. We appreciate that. And, and we're extremely grateful for everything you've done for us too. Like I said, the, one of the most reliable, amazing performers and personalities we, we deal with. That's why Zach said a top thing. If there's a way that we can weave you into our event, we do because we know the impact. Yeah, have. and a shout out uh, to the to the super manager Elisa because <laughs> working with her makes everything easy. It's like it's a quick text. If I don't have an answer within twenty minutes, it's like Will's like, "Are we good? Are yeah, we done?" Like, yeah. That that's the the beauty of it. So um, you know, your definitely wife, shout out to uh, Elisa. <laughs> and then I'm giving a shout out when my son heard me on a podcast where I was talking about piano playing and the fact that he plays piano. And he talks about all the time. He goes, when you go on a podcast again, you got to say something about me. So I'm a shout out to my oldest son, Theo, and then my other two kids, Louie and Esme, because when they hear podcasts, they just love, they're like, oh my God, you talked about me, dad. So honestly, uh, business is important, but family comes first always. So yes. there, there's nothing more important in this life. And uh, the fact that I get to be with them and, and, and live my dream performing for people all over the, the country and the world is, uh, I'm really blessed and lucky. Couldn't launch his podcast without having always first. So Dang now you. it's on. Thanks, guys. All right, Will. Thanks, Zach. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Good luck with the podcast. I will be uh, listening. I'm excited to hear the next guest.